0: And we'll present ourselves before the Lord as we go to his word. Father, we come before you and uh, uh, we bring to you the burdens and the the heaviness that we carry. And We know that you're in this place, so we just pray for this divine exchange. We bring to you our sorrow, the heaviness of our hearts, and uh, we receive your joy and your peace. I just pray, Father, for your touch on every heart. You know exactly where each person is and you want to reveal yourself to them. You want to show yourself in a personal way. And just do that, I pray, Father. I ask that you would do that this morning. And we stand before you, Father, because we want to hear your, your, your voice. We want to hear your word. And uh, we say yes to your word. I just pray that our hearts would be open to receive what you want to sow in our hearts. Father, we thank you there's no condemnation in your word. Your word is here to build us up, to bring us closer, to a, in a deeper relationship with Father. And we choose that. We say yes to that. And all the people of God said, Amen. You may grab a seat. So we've been talking on legacy. We started this new series last week called Legacy. And the uh, foundation of Christianity is that we're loved by God, valued by God, um, expressed through Calvary, where we see the Father loving us so deeply that He gave His Son, and we see the Son laying His life down uh, for us. So part of our our walk with the Lord is based on the fact that we are loved by Him. And the second part is for us to step in what God has in store for us. Like how we're saved by grace, but also what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that God also prepared good works for us to practice. Amen? So we're called to live a life of legacy. We're called to live with purpose. We're called to make a difference. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. God made you with purpose and significance. eh? And I think that's fantastic when we take a hold of this truth that God has a call upon our lives. Can you tell your neighbor that you have a call upon your life? That God has called you. That God has a a plan for you to walk in. So we want to step in our legacy. We want to step in what God has in store. Amen? We want to one day hear good and faithful servant. And, And as we are pilgrims and as we're walking through this life, we want to be fruitful. Amen? We want to be fruitful. The Bible says that we are the branches and we're called to be fruitful. And I believe that if we want to have a legacy and we want to make a difference, I believe we have to embrace generosity. I, I believe that if I want to make a difference in the life of people around me, if I want to leave a mark, if I want to have a godly legacy, I need to embrace generosity. Generosity li- linked to my time generosity linked to my talents that I present to the Lord, but also generosity when it comes to my resources and my finances. So this is a a topic that uh, we need to look at and say, God, where am I when it comes to being generous? Am I a generous person? Am I living in generosity? Or am I living only for myself? And I think and I believe that if we live only for ourselves, and we don't embrace generosity. It's going to be hard for us to have a, a godly legacy. So the foundation, one of the foundation, to have a godly legacy, it's to it's to be generous. When it comes to our kids, we don't have to teach our kids to to use or or say the word mine, right? Uh, one of the first things that comes out of their mouth is, mine, mine, I want it, um, mine. It's that we don't ask our kids to walk through our neighborhood and say, hey, kids, go and get all the kids' toys and bring them home and we'll have more toys and we'll rob the kids of other toys and, and it's all about us. That would be a little wrong, right? If you would be living in that neighborhood, I don't think you would be pumped about having these neighbors, right? We're, we we want to teach our kids to be generous. We want to teach our kids to share, right? As a parent, have you said to your kids, you got to learn to share. you got to learn to share. How many times do we say that? All the time. Because generosity is learned. I don't think it's natural. I don't think that in, our, in, in the flesh we are generous. I, I believe that we learn to be generous. We learn to grow in generosity. It's something that needs to, uh, to, to uh, take more and more room in our lives. So my challenge for you this morning, as I know that you want to have a godly legacy, that you would embrace this principle that you find in the Bible called generosity. And when you look at generosity in the Bible, it's present all over Scriptures. Actually, God wants us to embrace generosity. God wants us to be generous because you see it from the in the book of, uh, in the Old Testament. And also in the New Testament, you you look at Abel. One of the first thing he did is present an offering to the Lord. So so when it comes to having a life of uh, of legacy, I need to embrace generosity. And my prayer is that we would not fall into a rut or get caught into a rut where generosity is not part of our lives. That's the heart of the message. We don't want to live life and get busy going from A to B and be caught up with our bills. How many of you have bills to pay? (laughs) We all do. We just don't want to do life caught up by our life and be caught in this rut where generosity is not part of our lives. I believe that when we live in generosity, when we embrace generosity, it brings us satisfaction, it brings a certain joy because I believe we're called to be like that because this is who Father is. Our Heavenly Father is generous. And if you look at this principle of generosity, you look in the book of Genesis, even starting in Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, I'll bless you and you will be a blessing. I bless you so you can be a blessing. So it's not just about God blessing us as much as we want to experience God's blessing. We want to experience God's care. We want to see God visit us and move upon our lives. But more than that, we want to be a vessel. So God blessed us in Jesus Christ. Amen? And secondly, he wants us to be a blessing. God desires you to be a blessing. God desires you, wherever he has planted you, to be generous and to see the value of people around you, to see the value of God's kingdom, and to bless. The mission statement of the church is to come alive to God and also come alive to his kingdom, where his kingdom is very part of my life, where I live for something bigger then my life where I see the cause and I get involved in the cause. Not that I, not only that I want to, but I, I, I do, I get involved, I, I do my share when it comes to God's kingdom. So we're called to, do, uh, to work for the kingdom. We're called to live generously. I, I like this verse found in Proverbs 19, verse 17. And there's a ton of verses that I could elaborate on when it comes to generosity. I'll give you quite a few, actually, this morning. But you see this example in Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says, Who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him, and he will reward him for what he has done. So it says that when you are generous, you're lending to the Lord. I think he's a good person to lend to, right? So you're lending to the Lord. You're, when you're generous, when you see the needs and you bless other people, you shower other people with blessing, you have a, a generous heart when it comes to his kingdom. It says here that God will take care of you. And Proverbs 21, verse 13 says, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also, will also cry himself. And, uh, well, sorry, I didn't, didn't say that right. He who shuts his ear to the the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. So meaning that if you close yourself up to to the needs or you don't want to see the needs around you, you don't want to hear the needs that are around you, well, it says that you will miss out on the blessing of God caring for you because there's a principle of sowing and and reaping. So even in the Old Testament, you also find that when the farmers would would do the harvest, they would leave some harvest on the field so that the, the people that did not have a land would be able to come and and, and have some food. So it's a principle that you find in Scripture all over. The principle of living with open hands and to live with generosity. And if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we find the, ex- the exhortation of, uh, of Paul when it comes to generosity. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. So you're not called to put your hope in riches but in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Meaning that God wants you to enjoy what he gives you. At the same time, if you look at verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves and a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is is truly life. Meaning that... When we do life, we're not just called to live for ourselves, but we're called to live life generously. And uh, so this is where we honor God. When we choose to honor God, when we choose to say, God, in my generosity, I honor you. I'm putting you first in my finances. For sure, in all this, God's going to use our resources to see people be blessed and people be encouraged and to see the work of the Lord prosper. But in all this, what we want to do is we want to honor the Lord. And so when you put God first in your finances, you're, you're honoring Him. You, you see, God, it belongs to you. And that's what you find in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Look what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. It talks here about putting God first. I know that we have a lot of bills and a lot of things that we've got to care for. But I, I believe that there's a need for us to to honor. To honor God. And to say, God, thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you so much for life. Thank you for your care. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for salvation. And in return, I want to, I want to put you first. I, I choose to put you first. And, and it says in this verse that when you put God first, He's going to take care of your needs. I remember when we got married many moons ago. <laughs> and uh, we weren't very prosperous, uh, we were very tight financially, we had a little mobile home, 12 by 50, uh, and uh, our income was very low, and we were full-time, we were involved in, in uh, younger work, so we're, we're, we were giving ourselves for the cause of the kingdom, and uh, I remember at one point we had to put oil, and I shared this story at the partnership class when it comes to generosity, I remember we were entering, we were in this time of the year, and uh, I had to put some oil in my, in my tank because uh, it was in the back of the, uh, of the mobile home. And, and I remember my dad came in that time of the year, November, and he came with a, with a hockey stick and, and he opened the tank and he measured the oil with a hockey stick and he says, you're halfway, you're probably good until the, maybe January or so but you'll have to think about filling your tank. And the reality is I didn't have the finances to, to fill my tank. I didn't have it. And uh, January came and February came and March came and, and, and went on, and I've never put any oil in my tank. And I remember my dad coming in the spring and said, did you put oil in your tank? I said, no, I didn't even check it. I didn't even want to, to check it. And I remember him going in the back of, uh, of the yard and taking a hockey stick and putting a, the hockey stick in my tank, and the oil never went down. And he was saying, someone must have put oil in your tank. I said, maybe, but I've never heard about it, never seen it. And for me, it was a divine intervention. At that time, at a young age, even though we didn't have a lot, I learned the principle of putting God first. And it's been amazing. Now I'm a little older, a little grayer, and I look back and I look at some times where it was difficult and there was a lot of challenges I look now how, how God has blessed me in so many different ways. I believe in this. I believe in the principle of putting God first. At the same time, I'm challenged because I believe God is asking more of me. I believe that God is asking me to be more generous. If I'm open with you, as I was preparing this, I just felt God, God's voice to close. How, how do you consider your generosity? Are you generous? And, and, and in the back of my mind, I say, yeah, God, I tithe. I, 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 I try to help out, but I just felt, I just feel there's more. And this is the thought I want to share to you this morning. When it comes to having a legacy, you don't want to hold to things. You don't want to be caught in your world. You want to be able to be free to give. You want to be able to to respond to God's call. You you don't want to uh, be caught by all the needs that you have in your life and forget this mission, forget this calling, and forget That God is the great provider. When it comes to our walk with the Lord, uh, when it comes to Christianity, the rules of the kingdom of God are different from the kingdoms of, of this world. Right? So when you embrace God, you're also embracing the principles that are linked to his kingdom. And the principle of generosity is present in the old and in the new. And you want to, you want to see that in your life. And some people will say, Pastor, when it comes to tithing, it's, it's, it's a law of the Old Testament. It's, it shouldn't be part of my life. Well, the Bible talks about civil, civic laws. And we're not called to follow the civic laws of Israel because we're not in Israel. And there's also ceremonial laws. I'm not called to follow the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament because Jesus fulfilled them. Jesus is the Lamb of God. But there's moral laws, like honor your parents. That's a moral law, right? Honor authority. You see it in the old and also in the new. That is a moral, it's, 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 it's a moral law. But also, also honoring God with your resources, it, it, it's a moral thing where you put God first, where you honor God, where it becomes a, a, a worship. It becomes, it, it became, it becomes a, a focus where you want God to be honored. And when you do that, when you honor God, what happens is that you're investing in, in a legacy. You're making a difference, and God is being celebrated. And at the same time, God will care for your needs. So why be generous? First, it's because of God's love, right? Right? Because of God's love, we're so loved by God, how can I keep things to my own when I receive so much? Freely I receive, freely I give, right? And you got this story in in Luke chapter 7 about Simon the Pharisee that invites Jesus for supper, And you have this lady that is a prostitute, and she comes in, and and she repents of her sins, and she throws herself at the feet of Jesus, and she washes Jesus' feet with her hair and with perfume, and she kisses his feet, and and... Simon is upset, and, and Jesus said, Simon, I came in your house, you didn't put all on my head, you didn't wash my feet, you didn't give me a kiss, and she, this lady came, and she threw herself at my feet, and, and she shows me so much love, and, and he says to, he says to, to Simon, um, she received much, she loves much, and the one that uh, receives little, loves little, the one that, that receives little, little, loves little, meaning that uh, Simon, if you would see how Father loves you and my life that is laid on the altar for you, you would love much too. And we've been loved so much. We are loved by God and valued by God that we're not called to live our lives with fences. Can you see fences? Fences. I don't want to live life with fences that prevents me to live in generosity. It has to be taken down. I've got to be free in this. I've got to be free in that dynamic of, of generosity. And it's something that grows. It might not be something that happens overnight. Like I said, it's something that you learn. But you want to be generous. You want to be like Father, because Father is generous. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, look what it says. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dear loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you see in this verse, this is Jesus gave himself as a love offering to the Father, and so we're called to live in the same way. We're called to live in the same way. We're called to live in generosity. It's part of our DNA. Having God in us, having being the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's part of our DNA to be generous. So we don't don't want to resist to that, and we don't want to catch or, or. Or get caught with all the things of this world where we forget that God has called us to have a legacy. And having a legacy and having influence and and be a blessing to people has to involve generosity. You still with me? Still love me? (laughs) Yeah. So the reason why we are generous is because of God's love. Why generosity? Secondly, the truth is I'm a steward, not an owner. In reality, it's not mine. It's not mine. And that's what I need to, 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 to come to as a believer. All that I have, it's not mine. I'm called to manage. I'm a steward. It doesn't belong to me. To live with that concept, I believe, brings freedom. If I am able to embrace this thought that all this is not mine but belongs to him, there's gonna be a freedom because there's so much stress that we put on, try to keep, and the fear of not having enough. There's so much stress that is geared to that. And, and if I know that it doesn't belong to me, it belongs to God, it, it frees me. It really does. Like, look what it says in Job, chapter 41, verse 11. Everything under heaven belongs to him, belongs to me, says the Lord. Silver in Agai 2, 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23 the land is mine, and you are but aliens and tenants. Even the land belongs to Him. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. What do, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Everything that you have is a gift from God. I need to acknowledge that. I need to acknowledge that everything that I have is a gift of God. And so in return, I, I put him first. I honor him. I live a life of honor knowing that he That is the owner. And when we live this way, this is where we put blessings over our lives, and this is where we make a difference, and this is how we have a legacy. So, so why generosity? Because I'm a steward. I'm a manager. It doesn't belong to me. Thirdly, because of the brevity of life and judgment, it says in James chapter 4, verse 14, life is like a vapor, It's like a vapor, we're just passing by. But we have such we can have such an impact as we're passing by. Peter will say that we are pilgrims. This is not home. So I gotta live like this is not home. Not meaning that you can't enjoy the blessings of the Lord. You can enjoy the blessings of the Lord, of the Lord. But you wanna live with generosity. You wanna be generous. You don't wanna be paralyzed, you don't want to be held back. You want to be able to listen to what God has to say. I'm going to say this to you. I believe that if I don't embrace generosity, is that I won't be able to hear the prompting of the Lord. I believe there's a lot of prompting and things that God wants us to do, but because we, or we, we, we've shut our, our desire to be generous or we are caught with the fear of lack, is that we're, we can't hear what he has to say. And when we do this, we miss out on God's blessing because if God asks you to be generous, he's going to provide to your needs. He knows what you need. He knows where you are, right? So it's important for us not not to lose focus of eternity, and I shared that last week. I want to read a verse to you that is dear to my heart, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, and I've seen, seen that in my life. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continued to help them. You know, God is not unjust. When you give yourself for the cause of others... When you love on others, when you give, when you serve, when you, when you value others and you stand in generosity, God is not unjust. He sees that, and he's going to honor you He will, as you honor Him, as you live, as you choose to live a life of honoring God and putting Him first in everything in life, but also your finances, He's going to honor you. And that's what He says here. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work, your love, what you've done. He sees it. And sometimes people, we forget that. Sometimes we forget that He's not unjust. So why, why hold back? Why put... Fences up. Why say no to the calling of God? No, you want to say yes to God's calling because this is how you have a legacy and this is where God God will provide. Look what it says in Matthew 25, verse 21, the ultimate verse. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. You have been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Good and faithful servant, right? To manage what God has given us. And we want to hear that. So that involves generosity. You need to embrace generosity. And I think that deals with materialism. When you realize that life is so short, you're not caught just of building your own kingdom. That you know that a bigger house will not meet your needs. It's not these things that will satisfy you. It's going to be God. Remember this, the, the toy that I know when my kids were young where it was red and blue and then you had orange figures like shapes and you, have the figure, you had a shape of a store. Remember that toy? And they put it in and then they open up and the, the, and the, and the figures, they fall. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, my, my heart is kind of a, let's say it's the shape of a store. And, and, and the thing is, you try to fit a circle, you try to fit a, a, a triangle, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But when you, when you let God in your life and when you embrace generosity, you find purpose and, and, and it's, there's joy that comes up because I was made for that, right? So, so I can't live... Thinking it stops here, I gotta realize that it's way beyond. So that causes me to be generous when I know that I can't bring nothing up there except other people, changes my priority in life. The only, like I said last week, the only thing that we carry on in the afterlife is other people. It's other people. I cannot remove that of my life. You know, I have to include that in my life. It has to drive me somehow. It has to take root in my heart. It has to, right? So, so when it comes to having a legacy, I can't say no to generosity. My prayer is that as a church, we would say yes to generosity at the same time that I, first of all, in my own life, that I would say, God, I want to be generous. Show me. Teach me. Help me to be generous. Fourthly, what's why generosity? It breaks the poverty mindset and the fear of lack. It really does. It teaches me to rely on Him. Like I said earlier, it brings freedom. It makes me able to hear the Lord because I'm open to generosity. It brings dependence on God and causes my faith to grow when I do it. When I take a step of faith and I, and I trust Him and I'm generous and I go beyond uh, my logic and I trust God, I believe my faith will grow and I believe I, I, I will be able to have fruits, right? So, so you don't want to be caught with the fear of lack and, and the fear of, of not having enough. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I, I used to do a lot of fishing with my dad. Uh, we used to get up very early at 5 o'clock. We would sometimes have our snowsuit on the ice, not on the ice, on the, in the boat. And it was like we were on the ice. It was crazy cold. And we would go, it was called Moose Lake, not Moose Lake Manitoba, Moose Lake in Ontario. And it was a factory of fish. It was unreal the amount of fish you had in this lake. So we went fishing and sometimes in an hour and a half we were done or limit. We caught a limit, we were full. And, uh, and I remember my dad, um, he would say, I'm going to go home and stay here. I'm going to bring the fish, go home and come back. And then he would come back because we were not too far away. It was not too far away from home. So then he would come back and then we would fish again, catch a limit again. And sometimes we were tempted to do it again. It came to a point where we were fished out. We had so many fish, we didn't know how, where to put them. At two freezers of fish, we ate fish fish pie, fish fry, fish, 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 to the point that I don't like fish anymore. I like catching fish, but I don't like the taste of fish anymore because there's a smell of it. It was like, ah, oh, you know, just because we caught so much fish. The thing with my dad is that he was, uh, um, he was the oldest boy in a family of 17 and, uh, in rural northern Quebec, and it was really, really rough. And uh, when, when you talk to my dad, about um, good old days, he'll say to you, there's nothing good about the old days. It was just hard. And uh, my dad, what he struggled with, and we had the chance to talk about that in the years, is his fear of lack. If there was fish in the lake, he had to catch them all. Because he was afraid of not having enough. Because of his childhood, he was caught with the fear of lack. You see? So if the fish were biting, it meant we got to bring them home. It was hard for him to say, we've got enough fish. We're, we're okay. And, and uh, it's, it's important for us not to get caught with a fear of lack where we f- forget that we have Heavenly Father that cares for us, that we're not called to live like orphans, that you're not on your own. Like my dad had to carry the household as as the older brother, the the oldest sibling. And he had had seen this grow in his life where I've got to strive. I've got to make things happen on my own. And as he became a Christian and as he walked with the Lord, he was able to scale that off. But it was was a journey. And so it's easy for us sometimes to get caught with the fear of lack. And and you're afraid of not having enough. And when when you're afraid of not having enough, then you can't be generous. You can't because you're concerned. You, oh, you always want more. You always want more. You always want more. But the thing is, like I said, you have a heavenly father that loves you and cares for you. And, and that's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. Don't, leave, don't be like the pagan that look after providing to your own needs. Seek ye first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things be, will be added unto you. And how does all these things are added unto you? It's the Lord that provides but what you want to do is you want to function according to the heaven's economy. That is to put him first in your finances. And I got to tell you that I can I got to tell you that if you walk that path and there's no limit, where you say God, it belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. You will see God's provision, and you will fulfill your mandate, and you will make a difference around you. So why generosity? Because it frees me from that mindset of fear and, and, and the, the, my, this mindset of uh, this poverty mindset and the fear of lack. Number five, because of God's blessings. So when, when, you, when you sow, there's going to be a harvest of it. And uh, look at how God's economy functions. Proverbs 11, verse 24. The man, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. That's God's economy. Wow. It's not the world's economy, right? One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another would hold on but, becomes, but comes to poverty, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes other will himself be refreshed. Wow, that's God's economy. So you want to live by that standard. You don't want to eat your seeds. You want to sow your seeds. And that's what it says in Second Corinthians 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply, listen to this, also supply, increase your store of seed, and when enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, you will be more fruitful. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, that you're generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Meaning Paul will, say, will give praise to God. The recipient, recipient will rejoice in the Lord. And the giver will see a, a harvest of righteousness. So, so you see here, we don't want to eat our seeds. We, we want to sow them. We want to be generous. We want to live generos- generously. Generously. And, and, and you, you find in verse 6, just on top of that, of, of, on top of verse 10, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly; Whoever sows generously will reap generously. That's, that's the um, uh, principle of, of God's kingdom. So my prayer for us, for you, for myself, is that I would embrace generosity as I want to have a legacy. That, God, I want you to work in my life. I want to work through my life. So here I am. It belongs to you. So it's a principle to live by. It's not a law to follow. It's a principle to live by. And you, you find this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. It talks about tithing. And it talks about the fruit of it, the fruit of generosity that brings a, a favorable climate over, over the church, over uh, Israel at that time, over your life. It says in verse 7 Even since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have, have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you say, How are we to return? So there's this disconnection with God, and that disconnection with God is generosity. Look what it says in verse 8. Will a man rob me? Yet you rob me. But you ask how do we rob you in tithe and offering? You are under the curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What happened is that they were bringing their sick animals to the temple. They were not giving their first fruit. They were just giving their leftovers. And God was saying, I'm teaching you. I've taught you in the past to be generous, to focus on generosity, not to hold back. And look at the promise it says your test me in this. It's really the only place that you find in the Bible where God says to test me in this. Test me in this. Try me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. What a verse, right? What a text. I like that text. Test me on this. And God says, I'll take care of you as as you embrace generosity, as you live a life of generosity, as you put yourself before God and you live with open hands where you're not holding on, where you trust God, where you know it doesn't fall on you. Isn't it pretty awesome to see that it doesn't fall on me? It's not all up to me. I'm called to put God first, and God will care for my needs. So I, I, I challenge you with this. My last point here, the reason why we want to live generously is because it makes a difference. Because there's this partnership with God. God has decided to work with us. God has not decided to work through angels. God has decided to work with us. So when we partner with God in generosity, we're seeing the progression of God's kingdom. As I wrap up this message this morning, we serve a generous God. We serve a God that gives freely. And so we want to live by that standard. Amen? We want to live by this principle of living generously. I don't know where you are in your life. I invite you to open the door of generosity. I invite you just to take a step of faith and say, God, how can I be more generous? Maybe you are a tither, and that's great. But don't say, I'm, I fulfill my religious duties, now I'm good. I'm not, there's not more for me to give. No. Everything belongs to God. Trust in God. Rely on Him. And see that He will provide to your needs. Amen? I would ask you to stand. All the eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time. I just want to let you know that God is generous. He did not hold anything back. He gave the best. He sent his son for you to be reconciled with him. He loves you so much. He opened his, his arms wide open. Didn't hold anything back. Mm. And that's for you and me. Maybe you're here and, you, and you've walked away from the faith. You're not where you should be. i got to tell you that God's generosity is beyond beyond her mistakes, beyond her sins. His arms are wide open and you can run to Him this morning. You can experience that life-changing freedom. If that's you this morning, I invite you to raise up your hand. Yeah, I I want Christ in my life. I want Jesus. I want to come back. I want to run back to Him. Is that you? Mm. Yes, thank you. Someone else? Thank you in the back, in the balcony. Someone else? Hmm. Yes, yes, Lord, we return to you. We run to you. We receive freely the gift, the gift of life. We receive freely your love. Mm. And Father, we want to live for you. We pray that you would be my Lord, my King. And for all of us, can we ask God, can we say, God, give give me a generous heart. Give me a generous heart free me, Father, from the things of this world that prevents me to be generous. Father, I want to be like you. I want to live life with open hands. I want to be a a blessing to others. Yes, Father, make me a blessing to others. Mm. Amen?